experience the ripple effect. This is the Empowering Youth Podcast from Building Utah Youth. A nonprofit organization established in 2007 to provide powerful leadership training to the youth of our communities. And now, here's your host, by board member, co-owner of Rapport International and certified trainer, Brett Johnston. Hello and welcome back to the Empowering Youth Podcast. I'm Brett Johnston. I'm Jeff Catano. I'm Brooke Lewis. And we have... Wow. Somebody who's been a big part of building Utah youth and in the family that, you know, has, has shown up a lot to give back and volunteer and in so many ways, but you know, definitely a rapport family today wasn't always a rapport family, but today the whole family rapport family, all but one, there's one left and he's on his way soon. But, um, we would like to welcome Abigail Robinson here with us or AKA Chuck. <laughs> I knew you were going to throw that in there. Where does the Chuck come from? I don't know. I mean, where does the Chuck come from? Okay. So when I was little, um, I was about eight pounds and I was always in the 98th percentile of growth. And my dad started calling me Chunk. And my mom was like, you cannot do that. She's going to have a complex when she's older. He was like, fine, I'll call her Chuck. And it stuck. Like everybody calls me that. I know that if my dad calls me anything but Chuck, I am in some deep shiz. <laughs> so as long as he's calling you Chuck, everything's good. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I would think something was wrong with him if he didn't call me Chuck. Like I'd be like, do you hate me today? What's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you've got are a family of, you've got three brothers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm the only girl. So you're not only a TLB grad, but you're also an uh, teen uh, Eagle Quest Warrior graduate. What was your warrior name? Gentle Bull. Yeah. And anybody that knows Chuck knows that the bull part, she's very gentle. Yes. And the bull, that's probably a reminder for you to be gentle. Yes, it is. I am my father's daughter. I'm very stubborn, but just to add to that, I'm my mother's daughter as well. They're both the most stubborn people I've ever met. So... And I think the first time I met Abby was when we went through class. Abby was um, one of the instructors. She was on team for Olivia. So I saw the bull side first, (laughs) which is intimidating. (laughs) And she got to go to TOB with her brother and, and they were the first ones from the family to go to class. Yeah. Which was funny. My dad sending us through and he would not go. He's just like, See ya. Yeah, have fun. Yep. Well, let's dive in. This is your your time to share your story. So, you know, start wherever you'd like to start. We'd like to hear a little bit of history of Chuck. All right. So, um, I would say I went through in 2016. I had just turned 16, and my older brother went through with me. Uh, Before that, I just was... A hellion, I to say the nicest word about myself back then. <laughs> um, I just gave my mom the most crap. I gave my dad crap. I wasn't necessarily the easiest to like child to parent, and I think that I had a lot of confidence issues and just. Like high school is not fun. Junior high is not fun. High school is not fun. So when my dad 
decided to send me through, I, I had no clue what it was, no clue what it was about. My dad didn't really either. I think he did, but he wasn't going to tell me or my brother. Uh, but me and my brother going through together, I don't want to share too much about his story just because like privacy and stuff like that. But he, we are very, very different people. I'm very outgoing. I make friends walking by just, I love everybody. My brother's very kind, but he definitely struggled with the being friends with everybody, being outgoing. Um, so Jaden, if you're listening to this, sorry, I don't want to put you on the spot, but, um, it was eye opening going there. So when we first get there, I have known Brett my whole life. My dad has known him forever. I, <laughs> when he walked in and he's like, you are to call me Mr. Johnston. I'm like, Oh, that's Brett. I'm going to call you Mr. Johnston. And I saw like side, like he was so like no smiles and, you know, and it was so intimidating. I'm like, wait, that's Brett. And I leaned over to Jane. I'm like, that's Brett, isn't it? He's like, yes, it's Mr. Johnston now. <laughs> so um, he just scared the crap out of us the first five minutes. And I remember I was late and I was lucky enough to go through with my friend, Brendan, but I was late to class and Brett was like, where else does this show up in your life? And that was the first few words that I heard. And it's like stuck with me forever. That's the one thing that I remember so clearly about my first experience with rapport was where else does this show up in your life? You think about that probably often looking back on it, huh? Yeah. And that's my favorite thing to say to other people too now. So. Yeah. I mean, and, and where that comes from is in the training anytime, you know, the way someone shows up in the training is usually how they show up in other areas of their life, life. Um, only the, you know, situations and or people are, are different, but the way they show up is, is the same. So that's where, where we pose that question. Where else does that show up in your life? And you mentioned earlier that um, junior high and high school, um, you said, isn't, isn't fun. So let's, let's I'd like to hear a little bit about your journey through junior high and high school. So I was just not the most motivated kid, I would say, through junior high. Um, I really had a passion for cheer and dance and tumbling, but I didn't have the discipline. I lacked the discipline to work hard and do the stuff that I needed to do to try out for the team and like be out there. So I would say eighth grade is when you start to try out for cheerleading. And I, this is something that I seriously just still will bury down inside because I, nobody wants to talk about how they fail and how they, you know, they don't make the team or they don't succeed in what they want to do. But I had the worst grades. I didn't like to go to school. I wasn't necessarily popular. I was friends with all the kids, but I wasn't in the group. It's like, you're on the outside looking in. And I tried out for cheerleading, didn't make it. And I 
This was in seventh or eighth grade. This is eighth grade. Yeah. So looking back, I knew, I knew that I would not make it because I lacked the discipline. I lacked the, I didn't care, but I cared. I think that I cared because of all my friends were making it and wanting to be on the team. And they only take like, I don't even know, maybe nine, 10 girls. But that was kind of a turning point of, well, I don't want to go to school anymore. And it's hard to be on the outside looking in, but still being friends with all those people. And I remember when I found out that I didn't make the team, I had a friend who did make the team that was at my house. And I, that was something that was so hard for me was to be happy for her because that's a big thing for her, but also to be sad for me. And she was like feeling like she had to be sad for me and have the kind of the mood be down. And that was really, really hard to just kind of put myself aside and be like, no, I'm happy for you. And I think now I would be able to do that just fine. But back then, I mean, I was 13, 14 years old. So like, how does somebody who's not very mature do that, do a very mature thing? And since, since then, I just did not care about school whatsoever. I didn't care to go. I didn't want to go. And it was hard because I didn't want to see my friends having fun, even though I knew that I was in the position because I put myself there. So that's that accountability responsibility piece. Yes. And looking back, I, I don't think that I was mature enough to understand it. And definitely now I'm like at terms with it, but it's, that was something that really kind of pushed me over the edge and not wanting to go to school. And rebelling against my parents because I felt like I wasn't enough and I wasn't, you know, where I wanted to be or where I could be. And I wanted to blame my parents, even though it had nothing to do with them. It had, my mom was pushing me all the time. She wanted it more than I wanted it. But, and I know like it hurt her to see me hurting and she pushed me so much. And I just, I did not care. Like I, and I feel so bad for how I've been with my mom in my life, but I would say that really pushed me over the edge with not wanting to go to school. And then when I got to high school, I feel so bad for kids who are that age right now, especially right now, because there's just so much pressure to be a specific thing and be all the same. Everybody wants to be the same. They want to have the same stuff. They want to do the same things. And there's no individuality. And I have a little brother who's in junior high and he is going through a very different experience than me and my other siblings went through because he is one of those popular kids. Everybody wants to be friends with him and he's, he's a really cute little kid. But sometimes I worry. I'm I'm like, I don't have any advice because I never went through the experience that he went through. And um, I, I don't know. It's, I would say junior high and high school were one of the worst experiences that I've ever been through. And I'd never go back. But 
I'm also really happy that I went through rapport in high school. Like I would not change that in a second. So, so you went to, I mean, I re- I remember these times really well. Um, yeah. And you're right. Your, your mom and your dad wanted everything for you, right? They wanted to you know, encourage you and push you. And, and, and it may seem like your mom wanted it more than you did. And you're probably right. Um, because you had, you wanted it. You wanted to make the cheer team. You just weren't disciplined and, and didn't have that accountability and responsibility at that time to put in the work to, to get there. And so when you failed or you were, you know, you didn't make the team a hurt and it hurt her for sure. Um, and but but then you start to use that as as the story we you told yourself, and then that that started to carry that story. You know, I don't care about school. I don't want to go to school. Um, and and start to put it yourself on an island. And that's why it's so important we talk about these things because so many kids put themselves on an island. I'm the only one that feels this way, thinks this way. Uh, my parents are you know expect too much from me, or my parents are this, and it's their fault. And, and that's those, that's what happens. And we hear over and over and over again. And the truth is who is responsible for that? But it's the hardest to deal with at that age because, you know, you just want to keep it to yourself and not talk about it with anyone else. And so that's where this training really comes in handy because you're kind of cast into, you know, dealing with it. Um, and it really helps a lot. I mean, you're, a proof of that. Um, but it's an uncomfortable time when you're that age, you know, in the case of your brother to your younger brother, two different situations, two different sides of the track. And, um, you're, you're attempting to just figure out yourself at that age, not to, you know, how to be dealing with these stressful situations. Yeah. I mean, I look at your, your family and, and all three brothers are different, very different. Um, and you're, you're right there at the top where you know that, that they've been looking to you. Um, and I want you to think back to class because during that class, there were definitely so many times to own your, your thoughts and feelings and share them. And that's really what we're talking about here is that vulnerability and being able to open up and just share, Hey, here's what I've got going on. These are the thoughts is the way I've thought about things, uh, but being able to process it to yourself how did that benefit you being able to kind of work back through some of those scenarios and thinking about thinking about them from that other perspective, we call it reframing. Well, definitely looking back, like that class is for breaking down every wall you've ever put up. I had a lot to think about and there were a lot of tough questions that were asked and I had to really think about them and at one point, I remember I was giving like such a surface level question to Brett and Brett, again, knows me and it was, uh, nope, try again. Do it again. Yep, do it again. And that was something that I'm so lucky that I got to go through that. And right after class, I, you know, that's something that is so life altering. You have a new lease on life. That is my favorite thing that anybody ever says at graduations in their little speeches. I have a new lease on life. 
And it's, it really is. You look at life a different way. So after I went through, that was, I'm trying to think when, when that was. You're not trying to. I know. I know. I saw that in your eye right when I said that. I'm not doing that. But I'm thinking back when I went through, I was headed into my junior year of high school and I just decided, I was like, I want to do something for me. I want to do something else. I want to change the trajectory of my life. So I decided to do the nursing assistant class and I have never, ever been good with school. Like anybody who knows me knows I hate school. I've never been able to pay attention. I've never been able to like what I'm learning until that class. And it was, I saw a lot of the tools from rapport in that class because I was like, okay, I like this. I want to do this. And I started working as a CNA and I would say I started a few months after I did the class and I was, I loved it. I was a hard worker. It was something that I was good at. And I, I was like, I'm going to keep doing this. Anyone else in your family done that before at this time? No. Yeah. So you were the first, you were the trailblazer, the pioneer. Yes. Yeah. So I, and you know, I could have had a job with my dad pouring concrete, but I like my back the way it is. And I don't want to, <laughs> you know, I, Your dad did not want you to pour concrete, by the way. No, no, he would not. He jokes about going to work with him when I, whenever I complain, he's like, well, you can come to work with me. And no, no way. He would not let me do that. But I kind of just took it and ran with it. The whole nursing assistant thing. And I was very humbled every day by the people I took care of. They did not let me (laughs) put on any sort of front. And I would say definitely rapport made it so I could move forward and really go after what I wanted. And that's what I wanted. And I thrived with anything healthcare. I loved Grey's Anatomy. I loved you know, all of that stuff. So I really just wanted to do that. And the next, so that was junior year that I was going into when I finished the um, TLB and I started working and then I stopped to care about school once again. So I was lucky enough to go to Eagle Quest And I knew nothing about EqualQuest, but I remember um, Brett telling me, oh yeah, it's easy. It's easy. It's fun. It's fun. It's easy. It's so fun. So many times. Because kids want to do that. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. So after a little bit of the, oh, it's easy. It's fun. I'm like, who are you trying to convince me or you? I wasn't trying to. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You, You actually went. Yeah, I did. So- I, after begging my parents, begging them, I 
could not get them to agree to let me go because they were like, look at your behavior. Look at how you went back into the shell. You went back into your comfort zone before you went to the team class. And my mom was not impressed with who I was being whatsoever. And I wasn't. Because she could see, she can see the the power inside of you and the, and the, strength and and those things those wonderful qualities that you have and and you weren't using them yeah so she was she was like why should we send you through this when you have not used anything from the first one and also it was expensive so the first one was free right with the adult class it was it was sponsored through building utah youth yeah Yeah. sponsored So the first one, my parents didn't have to pay for This one they did have to pay for. And we had to arrange to drive to middle of nowhere, Alamo, Nevada. So that, that took, I won't, I don't even know. That took probably weeks of convincing and asking and asking and asking. And finally, I think that Brett had a lot to do with me going, but we finally convinced them and they're like, but we're not driving you down there. We are not driving you to Vegas. We're not flying you to Vegas. Like you figure this out. So, um, Brett was, (laughs) that's some, that's some accountability before you went on. Oh yes. On Eagle quest. Oh yeah. That once you finally got the, okay, you were probably thinking I've got to get through this with shining stars. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Not let anybody down. Yep. So I honestly, I'm like, I don't even know. This was so long ago. I'm thinking back and it's not really that long ago. I know, (laughs) I know not that long ago, but it feels like a lifetime ago. Um, Thinking back, I knew that Brooke Lewis was going through and I really did not know anything about Brooke other than that she was dropped at gorgeous. I loved her. She was so nice. She, anytime I saw her at the, the galas, I think. Yeah. That was the first time that we actually met. Yeah. I think I saw you. And so you both were in that class together. Yes. Yes. So, um, my dad dropped me off at Maverick at what was it? Five 30 in the morning. Yeah. Like four or five in the morning. (laughs) Early with, um, Brooke's dad, Brett and her mom and Brooke and me and Brooke, didn't really speak to each other before. Like we, you know, it was the cordial conversation, small talk, but we get in the truck and she's sitting on the other side in the back and I'm sitting on the other side and we kind of just stare at each other. And then we slept the entire way down there. We didn't say one word to each other, not (laughs) one. (laughs) It was a quick ride, but also very long. (laughs) Yeah. So we, did not say one word to each other. We were kind of just like, okay, but I do remember we were asking Brooke's dad, Brett. Uh, so is it easy? Tell us about it. He's like, yeah, it's easy. It's fun. <laughs> you know, the same response that everybody had is, it's easy. It's nothing. It's nothing like the teen class. And me and Brooke were like, okay, good. Because that the teen class. Sucked. That's nothing like the teen. It's nothing like TLB. It's no, not at all. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Has- but you, but you, you got there, you figured it out. 
got a nice nap. So you were well rested when the two of you got there, which doesn't surprise me in any way, shape or form that you slept almost all the way there. Yep. So we actually did uh, go through Eagle Quest with quite a few people we knew. And that was really special for us. So I would say we knew eight people yeah, in that class. And that was really special for us. But me and Brooke going through, they partnered us up. They said kind of like you, it's beneficial to have a partner to hold each other accountable. And they partnered us up and we were lucky enough to even be in the same room. And we, oh my gosh, we had the most fun in those three days, but also the most tears. And me and Brooke have like this special bond from Eagle Quest that I don't even think that most friends have. I don't think you can have that bond with friends. I mean, we seriously picked each other up and dusted each other off multiple times. What was your warrior name, Brooke? I was Baby Bear. Baby Bear. Yeah, because my dad was Papa Bear when he went through. And so I thought it'd be cute to kind of follow in his tracks. Yeah, that was my favorite. And we, oh, I don't know. What day was it that um, our trainer said that to us? We had, we were sitting outside in like a, what was it, a circle? Yeah, I'm I think not so. sure. And our trainer was kind of going through and just ripping on everybody. And I know this trainer now. Um, she is amazing. And she actually was one of my dad's trainers, I think, when he went through. And she's just one of the nicest people I've ever met. But when she was kind of going through ripping on everybody, we were like, oh, like, well, what she's going to say about us? We're angels. We are so nice. Like, what if she took one look at us and said, you two are just pretty girls. That's all you'll ever be. And walked away. And me and Brooke, like, honestly, we were laughing. We were like, but also like, kind of, we did start crying after we kind of thought about that because it's like, okay. And then it's one of those things that you really think about and you're like, maybe, you know, and one of the, why do you think she asked you that? Or why did she, why do you think that she made that statement? I think that we were at that point in the class, it, that had to have been the first day. I think it was the first night. Um, that point in the class, we were just, we were having fun. It was fun. We were, you know, we were there, we were leaning on each other, which it was, I'm so grateful I went through with Brooke and I'm so grateful that we had that experience. But I definitely think the first, if she had not said that to us, then me and Brooke would have just leaned on each other and kind of hid behind each other the entire time. And she made sure she saw right through it. She was like, absolutely not. So, um, and Brett, your wife was, Jamie was on team when I went through and through, a, actually through the whole time, Jamie heard that and she saw how, what it did to me and Brooke and the rest of the time when we were going through those tough things going through, she was like, do you want to just be a pretty girl? Is that what you want to be? Do you want to limit yourself to that? And that was seriously just it was so eye-opening the entire time and obviously I can't speak for Brooke but 
I think both of us were like, no, like we're not going to do that. That's not what we're going to. That's not who we are. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you, you guys are both beautiful. Um, but what she was saying was, is that that's not going to be, you know, your definition. That's not going to be, it's going to be so much deeper and, and more profound than, than that. There was a lot more inside that was going to come out is what that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember your graduation. Um, it was, it was beautiful that day and all the family being there and, and everything. And, and it, it's, it's so enjoyable to watch. You guys got to let go of some things. Um, you got to, you know, just celebrate your, your lives. You got to celebrate some of that self-talk from a standpoint of letting it go and overcoming that self-talk. Um, do you remember some of that self-talk? Oh, honestly, I, I'm not sure. I, I do remember. Yeah, I do remember some of the stuff, like when you're going through the obstacles and I remember, I'm like, what the hell are we doing? What is this? What are we doing? Um, and I was like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. That was a constant. And also the word try was my favorite that weekend. And Jamie. That worked out well. Yeah. Jamie was not having it. She was like, you what? You what? You what? So. Yeah. I mean, I remember your dad uh, at at graduation uh, with tears in his eyes, just going, you know, we, we just need more of this. We need more of, you know, watching you and in your powerful place and, and presence and, and everyone just being able to witness that you know, coming to fruition, all the power that you have inside of yourself, the vision that you see, you know, yourself and, and the, and the, you know, strong, powerful woman that, that you will be and, and watching that happen. It's so life-changing. Yes. But then, then it comes to work, right? Then it's like, okay, we get to actually go to work now. There's things that have to happen. Yeah. And there's just some of those obstacles where, tougher than others, obviously. So there's one that you kind of, you talk about what you're letting go. There's three things that you're letting go of. Who, who is? Me. <laughs> and I just, you know, I struggle sometimes with my family, obviously. I, I love my family more than anything. You know, I love my dad more than anything. But you know, I needed to let go of, you know, the, the way that I treated them and I need to stop beating myself up about the way that I treated them. And I just remember like looking down at my dad and just tears. Like I can remember like it was yesterday, just looking at my dad and just sobbing and looking at my mom and just sobbing because they don't know what's going on in that class, but I can just like thinking about it. There's just so many walls and just letting go of everything, everything that you used to the way that you used to be and kind of reinventing yourself, I guess. Um, There was one obstacle that I just, I did not want to do. I don't even know what it was called. Was it like the, the one that you stand at the top of. Eagle's Perch. Eagle's Perch. Oh my gosh. I would never do that again. I'm not going to lie. Just run up there and do it again. 
I don't know. <laughs> um, that one, you have to, you get to get up there and stand and jump and hit a bell. But you, once you get up there, you say, what is it that you say, Brooke? Uh, what you're letting go of. Yeah, what you're letting go of and kind of what you're going to do about Your it. vision for yourself, yep. Yes. Who so, you are. That I... It's almost a purpose. Yes. I just remember looking at my dad and seriously, just crying. It's, that is one of those tough things is when your parents come to the graduation, you just have a whole new perspective on what they do for you. And, you know, the trainers do a really good job at holding you accountable for how you act. And they ask you and they dig deep. They're and, like your parents, but they're not yes. your parents. Yes. Yep. So it's different. Yeah. So, you know, once you get up there and you kind of have that, pers- I have that perspective. <laughs> um, it's, it really is life changing. And I remember there was someone who's putting off getting up there, you know, and the, the support of the team was insane. Like all you get these people who barely know each other or they kind of know each other. They don't know each other on a super deep level. And by the end of it, they're crying and hugging each other and saying, I love you. And you know, you can do this. We know you can do this. And that, that one obstacle is one of the toughest. And that's probably why they save it for last. It's, it really is the toughest. And it won the very last person to go up just was just having a hard time. And every single person that was at that graduation held up the sign language symbol for, I love you. And I have a picture of it and I still like, it's one of my favorite pictures because like me and Brooke are hugging each other and holding that up. And there are people who didn't know each other when they went into the graduation who were, you know, telling this person, I love you. You can do this, you know, and the, just the support and not one person was like, all right, like, let's get going. It's not that bad. It was take your time. You can do this. We know you can do this. So that was definitely one of my favorite things. And thinking back, I am, I would say that's one of my most favorite experiences. So the, one of the things that I hear you saying that you're not saying is the the big support system that you have at home. Like you've always had really a lot of support. Um, and I want you to think about your relationships um, through junior high and high school with not only your family, but your, your other relationships, your friendships and things like that. And, and, and if they did shift, how did they shift? Um, I would say, like I said earlier, I treated my parents like garbage. I will be the first to admit it. I was not the nicest. And, you know, I kind of didn't like how my parents were raising me. I did not like it. I, and, you know, their favorite thing was, I'm not your friend, I'm your parent. Yeah, there's no other parents that can um, relate to that. (laughs) Yeah, I, and I hated it. I just, I wanted them to be my friend. And I needed a friend. I wanted them 
I relied on them in a way that I probably shouldn't have, I guess. That sounds harsh when I say it, but I needed, I needed better friends and I needed my parents to be my parents. And looking back, I would not change how they raised me at all. Not even a little bit. I was going to say that because you started off this whole conversation talking about how, you know, you were on the outside looking in. And so you were, you were lacking the good friend base and looking for that from your parents. Yeah. And that was hard for them because they have to parent you and not be your friend. Yeah. And you know, my dad is very, very harsh sometimes and he wants the best. He wants to raise his kids with the hard work ethic and, you know, the discipline and the drive. And sometimes those things can't necessarily be taught without yelling. (laughs) And I seriously would not change how they raised me. And I say that all the time to them. And I hope that they know that I wouldn't change how hard they were on me and how much they wanted from me. Because if they didn't, you know, it's like, then what? Yeah, exactly. And I, I credit a lot of where I am to them and then another percentage to rapport because there's no way that I would have the confidence to go and decide like, okay, I don't want this and make the decision like this isn't who I want to be and ask that question. Are you who you want to be? I think as soon as you started to really embrace who you, who you wanted to be, that really opened the door for you to start to develop those real friendships because it was you, not you being someone else that didn't align with you. It was you being you and then allowed you to start to make those connections and build those, those real friendships. Yeah. I, I realized through Eagle quest and the team class that it does not matter how many friends you have. You just need a few good ones. And that's something that, you know, with my younger brother, um, Cooper, he, he's very, he's one of my very favorite people on this planet. I love him so much. Because he's one of the sweetest he's, human beings. He really is. Like, I just, you know, I have that overprotective sister thing with him. And I just remember always telling him, I'm like, it does not matter how many friends you have. It doesn't matter if you get invited to go to these like parties and you know, he, if you just have a few good ones and that's also Jeff, my favorite thing about Dane is those two are just two peas in a pod and they, they have a natural friendship. Yes. They have a natural friendship. And I also learn a lot from, you know, being an older sister and setting that a, that example and kind of telling him like, Hey, it does not matter because it is a, I'm convincing myself that too. And I get to, I get to be that older sister example and also learn for myself. Like, okay, this is. That never changes. That's all. It's always going to be that way. That never changes. 
you know, a lot of the conversation that's happening right now is a lot of people are talking about imposter syndrome. You know, I, I, I say this and in order for me to say that I, I get to, you know, show up that way. I get to be that person. And it's still hard because we all know the answers. It's kind of like knowing that, you know, you need to, you know, you need to be uh, healthy in the way you eat or you need to be healthy in the way, you know, take care of your body and your mind and things like that. But doing it is different, following through with it and thinking about those friendships that you now have. Um, and, and coming out of Eagle quest, I know the ride home I'm sure was, was fun. Did you sleep all the way home? Um, honestly, no, me, <laughs> me and Brooke had to be ripped apart. We did not want to leave each other. That was seriously one of the hardest drives home. Like I, me and Brooke got so close over those few days and, I don't even, I was talking to Brooke's dad the other day about it. What was he saying when he was like, did you guys, like, we seriously did not know each other going down there. No, not at all. And then driving back. Yeah. Like, I just remember we were in the middle of nowhere and we had no service. And I just remember freaking out because I couldn't text Abby. <laughs> and my dad was like, you have been inseparable with her and you didn't know this person. And I was like, but you don't get it. And he was like, well, I do. Cause like he had been through Eagle Quest and then my mom's crying. She's like, you'd rather be with your friends than me. I haven't seen you. <laughs> and I just remember sobbing. I was like, is Abby okay? And my dad's like, it's been 10 minutes. I think she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We seriously just had the hardest time. And for ever since then, we've just, we've been so close and we've stayed in touch. And I was telling Brooke the other day, I am so lucky that rapport has brought so many fantastic people in my life, but also a good friend. I have like, I found such a good friend in Brooke and rapport 100% made it so we don't see the surface level BS that you're just a pretty girl. That's all you'll ever be. You know, we see the, how we both cried and struggled and talked about what we were the most insecure about and talked about what we weren't and what we could be. Yeah. Relationships, the ones that are worthwhile, you've got to work hard for. You have to be, you know, vulnerable and open and honest and you've got to, add to it. You can't just take from the relationship. You've got to work for that other person. And, and the, the neat thing is, is you guys don't spend every day together and you may not talk to each other every day and things like that because you're moving through your lives. But when you do get to talk and when you do get to be together, it's like right back to where you're at. And that, that, that'll never change. That'll continue down that, that, that path. And the older you get and the more you do, it'll just be there. Um, because that's real true friendships. That's how they work. So you got to come home, go back to school. Yeah. Cause I, I love to. this part. <laughs> you got to face the fire when you got home. Oh yeah. You know, I always think back and you know, rapport is one of the best things that has ever happened to me. I really would not be where I am without it. I can say that until I'm blue in the face. But if you do not apply it to your life. If who doesn't? If I don't apply it to my life, then it will do nothing for me. And every single day, I have to make the conscious decision. Okay, 
I need to apply this to my life. I need to be this person. I need to show up as this person that I want to be. And that's the beauty is that every other day is like, every day is a new day. So you can decide, you can make the conscious decision. Okay, this is who I want to be. And I definitely, going back home, I did not make the conscious decision to be that person at first. And it's because it's so easy just to, you know, go home and, and fall right back into those habits. It's like the reason why dieting is so hard for people is because, you know, you get on the, the pathway and you execute the diet, but once you get there, that's not the end. It's actually the beginning. That's where you start to have to really, it's the mind shift. It's, it's, there has to be sometimes the, the fake it till you make it, which, you know, I don't really love that saying, but it, you just got to show up for yourself. But you, you came home and, and, and there was a, a little bit of time there where, you know, you're fumbling around a little bit. Yeah. So I, before Eagle Quest, that was October of 2017. So a few months before I had, obviously I was struggling with school. I hated school. I'm not going to lie. It was the worst experience ever. And I never went and I was in danger of not graduating. So you weren't graduating. I wasn't graduating. Thank you for holding me accountable with that one. (laughs) I wasn't, they told me I will not graduate. They told me that so many times, probably every single person at that school told me I was not going to graduate. So I kind of was, it was heartbreaking. It was really upsetting. And again, that was another thing on the outside looking in, but it was because of me. It was because of me and the decisions that I made that I was on the outside looking in being like, okay, I'm not going to graduate high school with all my friends. I've created this. Yep. And I, and I don't know how to undo it. Yep. So I had to do 11 packets to make up classes, which those packets are $100 each. It's a lot of money that my dad put down. And he was like, you better get through this. You better do the work. And I had to do 300 hours of community service. Which was? Cleaning the school, which was. The restrooms horrible. I really, I would not suggest that anybody skip school ever. And I was lucky enough that if you do clean the school, they cut it in half because nobody wants to clean the dang school. It's disgusting. Have you ever been to Weber High? It's like, I think after you cleaned it, it was pretty good. Oh yeah. Yeah. I scrubbed it with my own toothbrush. (laughs) You got through it. I did. And I, I was lucky enough that when you clean the school, they cut the hours in half. So I had 150 hours of cleaning the school and then they let you do 40 hours of an outside um, organization, which was building Utah youth for me. And then I did another, I had raised a sheep my senior year so I could do some cleaning of the stalls at the school farm. And so I most mostly did cleaning the school, which was a lot of hours. And I cleaned the school on my birthday, my 18th birthday. And that was horrible. And you deserved it. I did deserve it. I really did. And 
I may or may not have shed a couple of tears, you know, woe is me. Poor, poor me. Yep. Pity party. And looking back, I'm just like, yeah, sucks to suck. No, no, not at all. It was character building for sure. But, you know, graduating high school was one of those things for me that was, it was one of the best days of my life because I knew that my hard work put me there. And, you know, everybody has struggles. Everybody has those things. And it's like high school came easy to a lot of people. Junior high, just school comes easy to people. And for me, I could not disagree more. I I mean, an energy follows thoughts. So there's a lot of attitude involved yep, in it. Yep. Because yeah. there's definitely been a shift for you. Yes, for sure. So once I graduated, I kind of was like, okay, like I want to go, I want to go down to St. George. I want to go to college in St. George. And my parents weren't thrilled about that. You know, I can count on my hand how many times I've seen my dad cry. And when he was sending me off to Dixie, you know, he cried and he was like, you can always come back home, which later he would probably regret. (laughs) But I went down there and I just fell into this shell of who I used to be. And I, you know, I didn't want to be down there. I made the decision. And that was one of the hardest things too, because that was another thing my dad had to help me out with was getting me back home. I got down there, hated it. I wasn't a partier. I didn't want to go out. I didn't know how to do school. I didn't know. I just was not prepared. And I feel like I jumped too soon. How long were you there? I was there from August to December. So So not long at all. Not long. It was one semester. And as soon as I did finals, I was out. So you moved back? Yes. And and your dad helped? Yes, he did. And I'm sure you heard about that a couple of times. Um, But, you know, as, as tough as my dad is, I think that he really is one of the most giving people that I've ever met. Absolutely. For sure. And that was another thing that was kind of a reality check for me was when I got back, he was like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Like get a job, let's do something, you know? So at this point I'm 18 years old and I had a few months until I was going to turn 19. I was not sure what I was going to do with my life. I kind of lost that spark and So that's kind of when I started to heavily start volunteering with building Utah youth and going to youth impact and wanting to see other perspectives on life and help these kids see these perspectives. And you started giving. Yes. And, you know, JJ Chanowski, one of my favorite people ever, he helped a lot with this and I got there when the quarter was giver's gain and teaching about giving. And it was like, I found a passion again with volunteering with building Utah youth. And, you know, I started to go and we would do the youth impact lessons. And then it was your five closest friends. And I actually just did a 
speech at school on your five closest friends. And that was probably one of the highest grades I've ever had on a speech. So because you related to it and how powerful it is. Yep. But so when I was back, I had just started to apply to every single job and I, I don't know. I, it was hard. It was really hard because I wasn't getting along with my parents. I was not very nice to my mom and I was just struggling. I was having a really hard time kind of digging myself out of the hole that I had been in. So and this is after obviously the two classes. Yes. What, what can you know, from high school, digging yep, through that, yep. all of those. You feel things. like that was just, uh, you know, as collectively was causing you to slip back. Yes. Yeah. So I think that I just, I didn't have any hobbies, anything I was passionate about. And I just kind of was living day to day. I wasn't excited about anything. I was getting up late. I also, a big part of why I moved back is because I had so many stomach issues and, you know, I had to sleep sitting up because I would like have acid reflux at night and that was really hard. And so I kind of in the process of applying to so many jobs, I had to go to the doctor and he was like, oh, you need to get an upper scope and a colonoscopy. And I cried. I was like, I'm too young to have a colonoscopy. I don't want any. So am to I. See. No, you're not. <laughs> the age is 45 now, but still too young. But I would say you need to go it's in. It's always too young. No, I. No. So I just cried. I was like, "This is so embarrassing. This is one of the most embarrassing things ever." And once I had gotten there, you know, did it. He was like, "That's like you look good. Let's wait till the biopsy results come back." Um, then I went home and kind of took a nap and I woke up to my phone ringing and this is like six o'clock at night and it, I let it go to voicemail and, you know, they have like the transcription for the voicemail and all I saw was Jan McKay I was like, oh, I was just there. I better, you know, see what that was about. So I called back and I was like, Hey, I just missed a call. Is there, do you need my insurance or anything? And she's like, what? I was like, huh? And she said, we want to have you come in for an interview. And I was like, wait, where? And she's like, at the endoscopy lab. And I was like, I was just there today. And she's like, oh, really? And so we set up an interview. And in my interview, um, I was so confident. You know, I, I decided. I was like, I, I want this. I want to work in a hospital. And I knew I was young. There were 11 other people waiting like that were interviewing interviewing for that position and I was the youngest one because I was 18 and I just was so confident in my interview and once I left I was like I know I did well and I didn't hear a word for a month and that was January and so I finally I called and I was like hey I just want to know like if there's something that I can do better to improve my next interview process. And she was like, we've been trying to get a hold of you. Gosh. So I gave them the wrong phone number. I gave them my home phone number. And if you've ever, (laughs) (laughs) if you've ever been to my parents' house, the home phone is, 
I don't even know where it is. Honestly, we've had that home phone for so long and I don't think I even know where it is. I've, I hear it ringing all the time. No clue where it is though. So they're calling the house. They can't get a hold of you and you're yep. thinking you're waiting for them. And nobody's calling you. Yep. And so you reach out. And then to make it worse, they spelled my name wrong when they emailed me. So they put Robinson instead of Robinson. So that never happens. I know. Talk so, about all the stars being aligned. Yes, though. right. I mean, for every, everything, just yes, yes, poured you into that moment. So crazy. So, and honestly, I don't remember applying to that job. It was just, it was perfect, and it worked out really well. So I, once I had called, and I was like, "What?" And she's like, "We have been trying to get a hold of you this whole time." And I just felt like I was just like sobbing because it's one of those things that if you don't get something, you, if I don't get something and I automatically feel like, okay, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for that. And that's something that I've had to really take a step back and look at and be like, okay, if it's, if it is for me, it'll be for me. And we were just talking about this, Brooke, same conversation. Yeah, I, I had the hardest time in that month. I was like, why am I not good enough? And I really had to snap myself out of that because thinking back, I'm like, I'm not just a pretty girl. That's not me. I'm not going to be that person. So I have, I got that job at McKD and I've been there for almost four years and it's, Seriously, I'm so lucky to be there because I get to do school online and also work full-time there while doing school full-time. And I also, my dad, it's very important to my dad that I pay for my own school, clearly because of my track record with like high school and him having to pay for my packets, which was just about as expensive as a semester of college. Do you think that's why? Yeah. Because anything worthwhile you have to work for. You know, that's where the value comes from. And that's, that's, you know, he's worked so hard for, for things, you know, and just wants you to have that be a part of you. Yeah. And I, knowing me and my dad knows me, if it's not something that I am paying for and I'm working for, I will not value it as much as I should. So, and it's been hard. Trust me. I, it's been a good four years of doing the prerequisites for nursing school. And when it takes some people a year, it takes some people a few months. It takes, you know, but I have to. That's not your path. Yeah. It's not my path. And I have to look at it that way. I have to think, okay, well, I put myself in this position. I'm doing this. And, you know, I've failed a few classes. I'm retaking classes. I'm to the point where I am. Um, I was talking about this the other day with one of my old high school teachers. I had said my senior year, I went to my math teacher to make up my classes and see what I could do, you know, to graduate. She told me to never go to college because I would not make it in college. Professors would not put up with how I was. There's that trainer from the first class yep. coming back again. Yep. And it 
sparked a fire under my butt. I I don't like being told what to do, and I don't like being told that what runs I, in the family. Uh, yes, very much so. But I don't like being told what I can't do. It's almost like okay, watch me. You know. So I now have a 3.8 GPA in college and I definitely credit it to me paying for it. But high school, I graduated high school with a 1.7. So it was, it's definitely one of those things that I look at and I'm like, I did that. I did that. And I'm so proud that I could say that that's not who I wanted to be. This isn't where I want my life going. And you did it again and again and again. Mm -hmm. It's busting through the walls that you learned about the first time you went through class. You just continued to keep doing that. So how's your relationship right now with your mom and dad? I love my parents more than anything. So I moved out of their house and I'm actually moving back next week. But I moved out two years ago and I cried every day up until probably a few months ago, just because, you know, I have this worry, this fear that something's going to happen to my family and I'm not going to be there or, you know, something's going to happen to my dad and I'm not going to be there. And he's had a few, like he had this little tiny health scare, you know, in 2017 And that was right around when I went to Eagle Quest. So that makes it, I think that's why I was so emotional. But we really did think that he had cancer and he was, we knew something was wrong with him. So it's, it definitely opened my eyes at, and looking at how precious life is with, you know, family. And I would say, I mean, maybe next week, I'm not going to agree, but my relationship with my parents is the best it has ever been. Well, it comes from the fact that you're moving back and you know, it's tough to be in the household because there's expectations, right? To be, to be in the home. Yep. Um, And there's a a level of respect for, to be in the home. And you're, you're, I can tell you that right now where you're at, your mom and dad want to be your friend. That's what they want to be but there's still that parenting side um, until you're off on that journey on your own. There's still that parenting side and that's never going to change. They're your parents, Yeah. but they do want to be your friend. Absolutely. They want to spend that time with you. So it's exciting. You get to do that. You get to do this again. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that my dad thinks that he's finally gotten rid of me. Then I just come back. But I, I'm very lucky that but it's because there's a plan. Yes. Yes. I'm very lucky that my parents are after everything that I put them through, they still continuously say, okay, come back home. You know, you can always come back home and it's, I don't know, again, next week I might disagree for a minute there, but. So what's up? What's, what's next for Chuck? You know, I love, we love to we love to talk about the future as well. We've talked a lot about you know we got you to this point, and and you do have a plan, and it's a and it's a tough course you're on, and you're working hard for it, and that's not going to stop. But you are starting to turn the corner and and the next chapter. But what 
what do you see for yourself in the next five years? Where are you going? What are you doing, creating? Where will you be? So, you know, with school, I did a lot of digging myself in a hole and then trying to get myself out of it. Getting yourself out of it. Yes. So I am just retaking classes right now. I'm finishing up my prerequisites for nursing school and I can apply in a few months. So I want to get through nursing school. And one of my big things is I really want to go through LB1 before I do nursing school. I think that'll be a good wake up call for me. And I'm only telling you this, so you'll hold me accountable. I got I might, you. I might regret, regret that, but <laughs> so I want to do nursing school and then I want to, I never want to settle for anything less than what I want. So in five years from now, five years from now, I would love to be, you would love to, or you will, I will be doing either travel nursing or continuing education in nursing I have a lot of different plans. You know, if something doesn't work, then I'll do something else. And yeah, I would go with what's, what's plan A. What is it? Plan A. I want to be work. I will be working at the hospital, travel nursing, saving money for nurse anesthetist school, which is very, that one's very hard from what I hear, but you know, I've decided that that's what I want to do. And you know, life happens. Obviously, I can't see the future. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that I'm stubborn and I want what I want and nobody's going to get in my way. So that's where I'd like to be with that. And who knows? I would like to be living in Utah, but we'll see what happens there. So living in Utah and, and continuing school, mm-hmm. but you've got the job that you want. Yes. Yeah. Anything else? Any other, you know, relationships or things like that? You know, I. Just wondering. Uh, well, I'm sure that I will have, I'll probably be married by then. Ooh. I know. Yeah. <laughs> All in due time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to speak too much to that, but I'm sure that will be in the plan and because I've noticed you're pretty stubborn without the relationship part. I am very stubborn, but also, also have you met my dad? Yeah. Do you think that any guy right now be toe to toe with my dad right now? That kind of runs in this room. Yeah. (laughs) It's a fair, fair assessment, right? That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. So I, You know, and I would really, I really would like to be volunteering and giving back even more. You know, COVID was a very tough time for everybody. And it was a really tough time for building Utah youth. And, you know, I've always loved going to Youth Impact. That's one of my favorite places. I love all the kids there. They probably have no clue who I am. Well, they've all grown. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they age out. Mm hmm. And I was just, I was their age when I started going. So, you know, they age out and they become, you know, better for themselves. And it's definitely crazy, but I would love to be giving back. And because I notice I am happier when I'm doing that. 
I think that, I think that's an important awareness, you know, that, that, that it is so powerful to give. And when you give without the expectation of getting back, that's where the power comes from. So you get to keep doing that. Um, you know, Brooke, do you have anything to add? I mean, it's just crazy everything that happens after these classes, but there is no doubt in my mind that Abby has an incredible future and it's just watching her grow and the bond that we will forever have is dear to my heart. We might not talk every day, but I know for a fact, if I ever call her, she'll, she'll answer. And it's just, I have so much gratitude for her and I'm forever proud of her. I mean, not only for school, but just turning into the woman that she is. It's, it's amazing. No, not just some pretty girls. No, we're not just pretty girls. No, definitely not. You know, I'm, I'm definitely very proud of you. I know your mom and dad are very proud of you. And I know that your brothers, all of them look up to you, <laughs> all of them. Um, and, and, you know, just thankful that you'd come on and, and just share, you know, your story and, and your journey, because it's important that people hear it so they can relate to it. But again, just thankful and proud. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Right on. So check us out more um, on our website, buildingutahyouth.org and buy on um, Facebook and Instagram, Building Utah Youth on Twitter at buy underscore Utah, the Empowering Youth Podcast. Thanks to Abby for joining us and thanks to all of you for listening. Respect, integrity, passion, personal power, leadership, enthusiasm. This has been the Empowering Youth Podcast from Building Utah Youth. To become part of the 3%, visit Building Utah Youth on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or on our website at buildingutahyouth.org.